0: Hey there and welcome to another episode of Embrace the Suck with Brendan. Brought to you by Wheel of Hand Development. This is your host, Brendan. Sometimes we get kicked in the mouth and life sucks. That's just what it is. But you're tougher than that. You didn't fold. You embraced it. You grew from it. Now help the next person in line. We wanna hear your story. If you've embraced the suck, maybe through loss, depression, stress, jobs, finances, other life events. Pass on what you know and help somebody else. If you're an expert in an industry and can help us avoid the suck, well, we'd appreciate that too. But we don't want fancy fancy. This is real talk for real people. You can reach out directly at wheelahanddevelopment at gmail.com or through LinkedIn and Facebook at Brendan Wheelahan. And now that that's out of the way, let's get after it. In life, there's the sucky situations that we all deal with, and then there's that next level. The loss of a child is the top of that next level. If you want to talk about embracing the suck, it doesn't get any harder than that. I'll shoot you straight. I'm not tough enough to handle that. But there are millions among us who are. For today's conversation, I was fortunate enough to find one of those among us who is tough enough to embrace this level of suck and push through when all felt lost. Today's conversation is with my good friend Rick, who lost his son to cancer just before his 18th birthday. Rick has had to embrace more level of suck than most of us combined ever will, but he wanted to come on here today to share how he has battled and continues to battle, how he's able to still make the conscious choice to be present and happy for those around him, including his wife and daughter. Anyone who's had the fortune of sharing a room with Rick knows you're always going to come out a little bit happier than when you went in. And today, he's going to share with us exactly how he works to make that happen. Very excited to have you on. I know this is something that um, a lot of people are going to get value with. So Rick, why don't you say hi to everybody and give us a little bit of background about yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you, Brendan. My, my name is Rick Cognata, um, and, you know, this is something that's going to be very interesting, to be very honest with you, because I've had lots of conversations about the loss of my son, uh, but never on something like this uh, podcast, and I know when you asked me um, about some adversity that I've been through, you know, I, my, my mind immediately went to my, my first career, as, as you know, I'm a paychecks. Um, But I went to my first career. I was a police officer for 23 years. So I figured, geez, all kinds of, you know, uh, tough times that I've gone through there. But if I was um, wanting to really help a certain section of people, I thought it would be um, good to talk about the loss of my son and unfortunately how I, I got through it.
0: I really appreciate you having you on here again. My deepest condolences, and it means the world to me that you trust me to put this message out to help other people. And before we get into this, would would you tell the listeners here a little bit of background of what happened, uh, how we got how we got to this point, and just a little bit about your son?
1: Yeah. So. I lost my son um, due to cancer. Uh, he had a very rare form of bone cancer called Ewing sarcoma. Uh, Blake was an athlete. He played football and cross for Fairport. Um, just a big kid, fast, just really good at what he did, um, always getting hurt. Right, you know it's normal to get hurt and have pain. And uh, one day he came home and he said, "Dad, you know I got a pain in my hip." And uh, you know we talked about it, and of course. You know, that was normal. He, some days he had pain in his shoulder. He played lacrosse. He got hit all the time. So we kind of looked into it and went away. And then it came back. And then it went away. And then it came back. And, again, we, we kind of went through this for a, a good month or so, thinking it was just a muscle. Uh, but then it got worse. And we ended up, um, you know, going to his primary care and then a specialist and then MRIs, and they couldn't figure it out. They thought maybe it was just some weird uh, – way he was born his hip would had like a you know uh, some type of abnormal abnormality to it um but uh, unfortunately that wasn't the case at all it was actually a tumor uh growing in his hip um so you know we we found out we got the terrible news that it was cancer um and i gotta tell you before i move on i will never forget uh being in that office with the doctor and his mom and they told us the diagnosis, and she was pretty confident. Obviously, we had to do a biopsy, but she this was her specialty. And she said, I'm pretty confident that this is bone cancer. And, you know, you talk about taking your breath away. Uh, it was very hard to hear. And, you know, he saw me. He's looking right at me, and I'm trying as a dad not to get emotional, and I'll never forget he looked right at me and said, Dad, um, don't do this. He said, don't go there. You know, you've always taught me to stay positive. We got this. Like, he's telling me this seconds after he hears the doctor telling him that he's got bone cancer. Wow. Um, so, unfortunately, uh, that's how the whole thing started. Um, that, he was diagnosed in February of 2012, and he passed away on January 13th of 20, I'm sorry, January 12th of 2013, so less than a year later. From the bone cancer because unfortunately it spread and uh, he, he went through hell with all kinds of chemotherapy and radiation. Yeah, That's, that's um, a little background.
0: Wow that's, that's tough but it sounds like um, he's definitely got your traits in him if that's his first response when the doctor gives him that news. So I mean talk to me about that a little bit. How was how that um, as a father to have that type of reaction to see that type of strength out of your son? be that's, that's um, great and yeah
1: popular. it 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 was uh it, it it i was taken aback by it i I just could not believe that that was his first um reaction to it and one of the things that ended up coming out of this whole thing the the community rallied around him uh, as you can imagine uh, with any child i mean he was not a child he was a young man but still he was only seventeen years old and um he uh he adopted this phrase that um, an NFL football player that went through a similar um, diagnosis as him. Most people don't know him. His name was Mark Herzlick. He played on the New York Giants. but He developed this, this mantra um, called find your strong. And um, it, it just took off and it went all through Fairport and there were ribbons and everybody was saying, you know, find your strong. And um, believe it or not, um, one of his friends tweeted his favorite player. Adrian Peterson. Um, and then all he did was say, AP call Blake, AP call Blake, AP call Blake. And it went crazy and everybody's blowing up my phone. And I said, Blake, it's not going to happen. Don't get excited. Um, but believe it or not, Adrian Peterson called no my son.
0: No way. In the hospital.
1: Yes. Um, right at the end, unfortunately the phone rang and it was from Texas where he lives. And, uh, he talked to my son for about 10 minutes. That's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, I know I was all over there a little bit from the mantra, find your strong to Adrian Peterson. But I guess the point I was trying to say is that there was so much love and support in, in Fairport Fairport uh, for my son. Um, it was just, it was heart wrenching, but at the same time, it was so nice to see him, you know, happy at the very end of his life.
0: Yeah. That's great. I, if, um, I mean, obviously, there's no situation where we want that to happen, but for it to be the best way possible and to get a call from Adrian Peterson, that's got to be a, a great way um, Yeah. To, to go out. But a lot of us are never going to experience pain to that level, but emotions do feel similar to people. Um, can you talk a little bit, just very high level, about some of the different emotions that you felt in that year From the time you got the news until uh, January. I got to imagine it was a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah. Just just high level so that we can connect real quick.
1: Well, I think, you know, if people are familiar with the stages of grief, um, you know, there's an acronym that I've always said it's, it's DABDA. So people go through these stages of denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. And I kind of knew this from you know my previous career, and, and like I said, in, in dealing in, in being a police officer. And let me tell you, um, you go through all of them, um, every single one of those. But if I had to say my number one emotion that I could not shake, and I really kind of give my, I kind of pride myself on being a guy that's really squared away and level-headed, was anger. Um, you know, I just could, I was angry beyond belief. And my outlet was luckily, um, physical activity working out. I would just run like Forrest Gump. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and and that was my, my way of dealing with it. Uh, but don't make, make no mistake. I, I, I was in. I went through depression. You know, I was depressed. Um, I was bargaining, saying things like, why God, and what if I would have caught this earlier? Why did we wait two months to take him to the doctor? Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if I will ever be at acceptance. There's times where, of course, I've accepted the fact that my son is gone. Um, but yeah, the 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 range of emotions were it just it just really took its toll. It just really took its toll, not only on me, but on my daughter and and my wife and and everybody close to Blake.
0: Mm-hmm. I can't even begin to imagine. But I know you're the type of person that doesn't lose control of your emotions. Now, obviously. I met you years after this happened, but I know that in this time from previous conversations that we had, you mentioned that you had the choice to curl up, throw in the towel and just kind of lock yourself in a room or do what it takes to still be present for the rest of your family, your friends, your wife, your daughter. How did you make that choice? How did you pick the tougher route when it's completely understandable to just throw in the towel. I mean, I, I before we started recording here, I told you I battled with depression and I threw in the towel on far less many times. How are you so much stronger when you were able to make
1: that choice? You know, that's, that's such a good question. And I've, I've often asked myself how I got to the point to, 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 to move forward. And if, if you've struggled with depression, you know, people that have not experienced what you've experienced or they can't even comprehend it. So when people ask me, how did you get through it? You know, the normal person's like, well, you know, I got to get through this year or this month. It's, it's literally minute by minute. You know what I mean? Day by day. Like I put my feet on the floor in the morning time. And I just say, man, I got, I got to help me get through this day. Um, because it's going to be a rough one. And you hit the nail on the head. The easy path is to curl up in a ball. You know, and unfortunately, I've met a lot of parents that have unfor- that have done that. And they've curled up in the ball, and they've given up, and they've thrown in the towel, and they've gotten divorced, and they've severed relationships with other family members, and they've they just gone into a very dark place. And I recognized that. And I said, I have this beautiful, at the time, you know, 19-year-old daughter. I have a beautiful wife. Like, can you imagine if I gave up on them? Like they needed me more than ever. So that's, if, you know, that, if I'm being honest, it was my wife and my daughter. that so that, that drove me to, to say, again, I'm not going to crawl up in a ball. I'm going to go take the other fork in the road and, and I have to support them now using that word support. Thank God for them. Thank God. Cause I think anybody going through a terrible time, You need a support system, whether it's a family, whether it's one individual, but you need that person that's going to be there for you, that you can cry with, that you can vent to, that you can expose yourself to and be transparent. And luckily, that that was my wife. Yeah,
0: I I couldn't agree more. I think, well, I don't think. I know for me, when I first battled with depression, the reason that it lasted so long for me is because I didn't have that because I thought... I thought I was the, the bulletproof 19, 20 year old. You're supposed to be tougher than the world. You're supposed to bottle it up. I got to imagine you probably had some of those same thoughts. So how do you, how do you stay strong, but still, I don't want to say break down, but I don't know what other word to use. How do you still stay strong, but break down and, and ask for that support because that's what I couldn't do for so long. I went years just, Bottle it away, put it away. You come on, yeah. don't talk about that. Well, that's
1: especially men, right? That's what we do. You know, unfortunately, you know, we we have that mentality that we got to be strong. And I found myself, you know, you said something. You know, I I put it away at times, but then there were times I just became glued. You know, I wouldn't let my wife or my daughter see that. You know, there were. I remember a specific time I was in in Wegmans. And um, there's days like I'm having a good, like t- you, you think it's all these years later. It doesn't matter. Today I'm having a good day. I can actually talk to you uh, without getting emotional. Do you know what I mean? I, I was really worried. I didn't know how you, you, it's like a sneak attack. Like you have no clue how you're going to respond. So I'm having a good day today. And, and it's easier if you want to use that word as, as the years go on to have more good days than bad. Mm-hmm. But I remember when it was raw and I was in Wegmans. Um, and you know, halfway shopping and somebody came up and they said, geez, I'm sorry. And I left my car right there in the middle of the aisle and left. I couldn't, I could I, I couldn't stay in the store. Um, so you have to give yourself that time mm-hmm. to cry. You know, again, I, you know, I, use men are terrible. My father never, ever, ever did I see that man cry and he's still alive. He's 84 years old. Terrible. Mm -hmm. terrible Mm -hmm. you know luckily I took after my mother I cry all the time (laughs) uh you know but that's a good thing so you know you you have to let those emotions come out um and you know well you I I guess I didn't answer your questions I, I think you asked how do you ask for that help
0: how do you um I guess not necessarily ask for the help how do you convince yourself it's okay to ask for the help? Cause that's what ah. I didn't do for so long. For so long, I, I had this idea in my head that it's not okay to ask for help because you're supposed to be tough. Okay. And then once you finally realize, Oh, I can't ask for help. It gets so much easier, but yeah, it, it takes, it took years for me to just realize, dude,
1: just ask. You're, you're so right. I'll tell you, it, it just clicked to me when you said that. I actually learned to ask for help during Blake's process while he was very sick because at the beginning people are like, you know, there's a helpless feeling when you're on the outside looking in Rick, what could I do for you? Let me cut your lawn. Let me make you a dinner. And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm still going to work. And then it got to the point where it was overwhelming and I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And I remember somebody telling me a good friend of mine saying, stop. People want to help you. People are begging you. They, 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 they feel awkward. They don't even know what to do. Let people help you. And I remember the specific time I, I couldn't do it anymore. You know what I mean? I couldn't put that game face on because what I was going to say earlier, sometimes you have to fake it till you make it, right? And there's times I had to continue to go to work, and I felt like garbage, but I had to put that Rick Cognata face on. I'm a trainer. I had to train classes. I had to, like, be be, like, normal, and inside I'm dying. But believe it or not, that helped me. Because what's the other thing? No, I'm going to call him sick. No, I'm going to just be all boring in my classes today. Like, what? What? What good is that? You know, one of the things I teach in my classes, I always say, a lot of the times we think we act a certain way, or we feel. Yeah, we act a certain way because of the way we feel. Mm-hmm. Flip it upside down. Did you ever think you feel a certain way because of the way you act? Oh, so absolutely. If you fake it, and you and you, and you know, even though it might not be legitimate or sincere, at least. You're like, all right, I'm not as depressed as I was at eight o'clock this morning because mm-hmm. I'm forcing myself to get out
0: there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. When I was at boot camp, I had a drill sergeant that would yell at us, false motivation is better than no motivation. Exactly. And at the time, I was just like, oh, this guy is such a jerk. <laughs> but, and then looking back at it, I, I realized he's right. If you can, sometimes you have to physically push yourself to do something not before it. your brain comes behind and says, oh, we're doing this now. You got it. Um, I want to go back a couple minutes ago. You talked about how you have more good days than bad days and as it goes on. But um, I want to ask how you manufacture those good days on the bigger days. So, for example, when my grandparent, my grandmother died um, overnight, she had a, a migraine. It was probably a brain aneurysm. My mom said, put a cold towel on, take it or go to bed. We'll, we'll see how you are in the morning. And, and that was it. Um, we avoided every holiday for probably the next year and a half because, because this was the Italian side of the family. This is where everybody gets together. You have 50, 60 people over. It doesn't, they don't even have to be family. Somebody knocks on the door, they come on in. And we avoided holidays because we didn't know how to have good days. And I know it's not going to happen all the time. I know there's going to be times when you just can't have a good day, but, when it's going to hurt a little bit more on those holidays, or I know your uh, daughter got married a little while back. What extra do you do or how do you make sure that those days are good and you enjoy the bright side of those days?
1: Man, that's a really good question. You said so much there that I need to unwrap. So you talk about holidays, you know, and, and, and specifically Christmas. Blake was a very unique kid in that, he was the only kid I know his age that when, um, Thanksgiving came, like you'd turn more than one 1.3 on and listen to Christmas music. Like all- <laughs> he loved it. So you can imagine the traditions that I had in my house. Right. Um, so it hurt my heart. I mean, to this day, I can't, you know, I can, I can go out, I can go to a Christmas party. I can be in the mall and, and, and be okay. But in my home, For me to put up a Christmas tree is the literally the hardest thing I've. It's just unbelievable. So, um, how do I have those good days? How do I fight my way through it? Um, it, Well, my daughter is married, as you said. She is going to have kids soon, and she said to me,
0: "Congratulations!"
1: Thank you. She's not pregnant yet. Don't don't. I just mean in general. (laughs) <laughs> Don't put me there yet. Um but she said to me, "Dad, I want my kids to come over here and go to grandpa's house and sit around the tree and are you going to take that away from my children?" Like she wasn't and that might sound mean, like how could your daughter say that to you? But I but she's right. Like she didn't say it like that, but she said, "You know, you need to try to get past this because so I whether it's Christmas or I don't want to, I guess I'm, put, I'm. the short answer is I force myself to have these good days so that it doesn't carry over to my daughter or my wife so that they have bad days. Like I'll, I'll take it mm-hmm. and I'll, you know what I mean? So they can have that good day. Um, <clears throat> well, what
0: I, Hunter, absolutely. It makes sense. What I'm hearing the whole time through this is you're getting through this by some type of external leverage that support system. You talked earlier about how you got through the time there by finally saying, okay, I, well, first off by saying, I have to be strong for my wife and my daughter. Then by saying, okay, I do have to rely on other people. And now when I ask you, how are you getting through the good days? Again, you're going right back to the family. So, I mean, I, interesting. I the running theme is you've got to rely on other people. And I couldn't agree with you more because as I mentioned earlier, once I started doing that it got so much easier for me to get a handle on things but when I was in this macho macho push out the rest of the world I I don't think I could have gotten much lower myself I just dug myself into the ground Um, but I'm hearing from you the whole time that that a lot of the support is coming externally.
1: Yeah you know and until I'm actually verbalizing and hearing you repeat back to me what I'm saying I, I guess I've really never given that much thought you know another other than my family and the two people I keep talking about, my, my daughter and my wife, I, You know, luckily I, I have that best friend um, that was like my rock, man. I mean, he was there for me. And again, I feel. so let's talk about the person that doesn't have that. How do they get so, through
0: it? Yeah, I, right? I was actually going to ask you. that. So for those people that maybe don't have as strong a connections, what do you think the answer there is or, or the suggestion?
1: So I, I would hope that they have some sort of faith. Um, and then we we go on a really dark, long, cute—not dark, but like a long road. But I'll tell you very in a, very shortly. Like I was brought up Catholic. I went to church. You know, on a scale from one to ten, ten being like crazy spiritual and praying every day. You know, I, I was maybe a six, right? Mm-hmm. When it, then this happened, I was very angry with God. Mm-hmm. I went into our church. Um, in Fairport, Catholic Church, St. John's, and I did the eulogy. Um, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. And one of the things that I said uh, in church is that I was very, very angry with God. And I didn't know if I'd ever come back, right? So if you don't have family, I would would hope you have some kind of faith, regardless of your denominator, you know, regardless of what, what it is. I would hope that somebody has some kind of faith because I didn't. For a long time, and only until about a year or two ago did I finally start going back. And and, and believe it or not, it's because of my daughter. My daughter, the one in my brain that I think is 12 years old still, is like, Dad, you need to come back. You need to come back. And luckily, that's helped me. So I would hope they don't have a family, they have a strong faith.
0: Right. So the bottom line is whether it's family or faith, we can't do it alone and we got to reach. No way,
1: no way, no way. Whether it was you with your depression or me with my son or any kind of terrible, you know, you look at what's happening in the world today with COVID, you know, these poor people that are wondering, you know, how they're going to put food on the table and they don't have a job. You need something, you know, to, to help you. We think we're strong and guess what we might be, we might, but not, not to the extent, when you when you're when you're dealing with the things we're talking about right right
0: that's awesome i got one more question for you before we wrap it up and i want to talk to you about when when my grandparents passed i went through those those stages the denial the anger um, the depression the acceptance that you talked about earlier on and when I got, I got to a certain point where I, I thought I was ready to move on, but then part of me was, was kind of fighting back and saying, no, you're forgetting, you're forgetting them. You, oh. you can't let them go. Yeah. How do you balance that? How do you balance the, I have to in one hand move on and live today and be there for the people that are around me. But in the other hand, battle that voice that's, that's saying you can't let, you can't let somebody slip away. How do you walk yeah. that line?
1: Yeah, that's, so, so that takes a long time to figure out. Okay. I haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) Oh, that took me a long time because, you know, I know we talked before this, like, how can I be happy? How can I laugh again? I, I, you know, I will never forget. Unfortunately, I have a friend of mine who lost his son before my son was even on the radar. It was 10 years, 15 years ago. And I remember seeing him and I said, you're always happy. You're, you're like, how, you know, you're goofing around and you're like normal Pat again. And like, how, how are you like this? And I couldn't even comprehend. He goes, "Wreck, you don't see me the other 16 hours of the day. Right. I'm not like this all the time, but again, like we talked about earlier, you know, you gotta, you gotta be that guy. So yeah, I, I, I remember, um, it, it took me a long time to, like you said, like, I, I have to, I, there's not a day that goes by. I don't think of him. Right. right. But you know, the first year, like you said, I, I was consumed by it. And, and like you said, I, I'm not going to move on. That's not right. I don't want to move on. I, I got to stay here and be in mourning for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I thought, what would he think of me? Like, we would break chops all the time, whether we're working out or lifting, and I could see him punch me in the head saying, Dad, you're being an idiot. Like, you're making me upset by living here. By being low, you need to move on. So think of what your significant, think of what the lot, the loved one that you lost would be. Would you want, God forbid, if you were gone, to see your family just sitting down in the in the basement, just mourning forever? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I guess the mindset I have.
0: You know, you just matched your theme perfectly again. Went right back to the external drive because on this one now you're 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 saying let's look at the lost loved one and what would they say? So again
1: yeah
0: for everyone out there listening the running theme you can't do this alone it, it we have to reach out for help we have to think of of everybody else's perspective when we're in this yeah rick i really appreciate you sharing this with us i know this is probably not the easiest conversation for you to have but i know you're going to help a ton of people when they tune into this i want to kick it over to you to wrap it up if, if you got three to four sentences to leave a final message to people what do you got
1: oh <sighs> You know, the loss of any loved one, whether it's a grandparent or a father or sibling is absolutely horrific, but they say, they, you know, I'm part of a bad club right now of people that have lost a child and it's not normal. Like you're not supposed to bury your child. But I think we're, as human beings, a lot stronger than we think. I think that with the right support system, and the right belief system, you can get through it. I will always have times where I'm a puddle, whether it's today or 20 years from now. But um, I just think that, um, and it sounds cliche, but people have to think about what their loved one would want them to be doing. That's what kind of drove me. What would Blake want me to be doing? How would he want me to be living? I live my life like he's looking at me all the time, like I'm still his role model. So that's, uh,
0: that's what I would say. That's amazing. I Again, Rick, I can't thank you enough for sharing this. I know you're helping a lot of people. And from the bottom of my heart, it means the world to me that you're willing to share this story with me and, and, and allow me to put the story out there. So again, truly thank you.
1: You're very welcome. And uh, if anybody wants, you know, to, to I, I'm here for people. So you know, I'm not, I don't want you to give my cell number out like over the <laughs> phone or over the air or anything, but if somebody says, I want to talk to that guy, I need his help. I, I want to be I'll, I'll be a resource.
0: Awesome. You guys heard it right from his mouth. If you are in a struggle like this and you think Rick could help, please reach out to me. I will be sure to get you in contact with him and we will get you that support that you need. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. You got it. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Embrace the Suck with Brendan. We know you've got a message that can help somebody else right now, and we need to hear it. Reach out at wheelahanddevelopment at gmail.com or through Facebook and LinkedIn at Brendan Wheelahan. Tune in next time for more stories from everyday people embracing everything life can throw at us. Until then, stay strong.